Savor 2011. Coverage by Craft Beer Radio from Saturday, June 4th. Private Tasting Salon, a study in barrel aging with Captain Lawrence and the Brewery. Uh, my name is Ray Daniels. I'm the uh, founder and director of the Cicerone Certification Program. We're a beer sommelier uh, education and certification program in the United States. Uh, but I am here tonight uh, not uh, so much as a Cicerone as uh, just a host. I am the host uh, for this session and going to introduce uh, our speakers, uh, kick them off, and uh, then as we go through the evening, I'll uh, help with some of the housekeeping details. One of those housekeeping details is that all of these seminars are being recorded by craftbeerradio.com, and they will be played back later as podcasts so that you can listen to them if for some reason you might forget any of the things that are said uh, in the latter parts of the session, for instance. Um, if you want to ask a question, we certainly encourage that. However, because of the recording, it's really essential that you use the microphone to ask the question so that it will go onto the recording and so the people listening will be able to understand what question was being answered. So, when you got a question, raise your hand, and I will bring this very microphone that is in my hand at this moment over to you, and I will allow you to hold it in your own hand and ask your question, all right? Afterwards, you must return it to me, however, uh, because I'm going to need it again in the future. All right. Uh, for those of you who may wonder uh, if you're in the right session, uh, because we have two rooms side by side, this one is a study in barrel aging with Captain Lawrence and the brewery, um, and um, uh, that is what we're going to be doing in this room. Uh, the uh, saver itself is put on by the Brewers Association. Uh, the Brewers Association is a uh, trade uh, organization for uh, America's small and independent brewers. It's headquartered in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, they have been around for about 30 years, since the beginning of the home brewing and craft brewing movements in the United States, and that has been their mission uh, from the beginning. Uh, they also put on the Great American Beer Festival out in Denver that I suspect uh, some of you have been to, and they do things uh, like publish uh, industry information as well and uh, information for consumers on craft beer at craftbeer.com. Um, you also may imagine, and, and, I, and I have to say I hope that everyone uh, was a little, uh, well, many of you are returnees, uh, so maybe you weren't awed and inspired when you walked into this building tonight because you've been here before. But I hope the first time you walked in this building, you were awed and inspired because it's a beautiful and amazing building uh, to have an event in. And as you might imagine, uh, it takes the uh, support and assistance of a number of organizations uh, to make such a wonderful thing happen in such a beautiful place. And uh, so I do want to mention the organizations uh, that uh, provide financial support uh, to Saver so that it happens. Uh, our host supporter is Reyes Beverage Group. Uh, supporting partners include the Omegang Brewery, Dogfish Head Craft Brewery, Samuel Adams, and craftbeer.com. Uh, additional supporters are the Allagash Brewing Company, uh, Brooklyn Brewery, Flying Dog uh, Brewery, uh, Full Sail Brewing, New Belgium Brewing Company, uh, Rogue Ales, Saranac, Sierra Nevada, Victory, uh, the Brewers Supply Group, uh, Draft Magazine, GreatBrewers.com, Oak Beverages Incorporated, Spiegelau, the German glassmakers, and uh, the National Beer Wholesalers Association. Uh, so thanks to all of our uh, supporters uh, who uh, make this happen for us. 
Okay, let's see here. We got some guys that we're going to let them do all the talking, and I'm going to get out of the way. Uh, I'm really excited to be here tonight because I've never uh, heard either one of these two guys uh, talk before. And uh, some of the beers are going to be, well, I think maybe all the beers are going to be completely new to me. Even Patrick's. I get, I get the, brewery, the, the brewery beers in Chicago, but uh, these, are, I think, are going to be special. Um, and these uh, guys are both uh, relatively newcomers to the craft beer scene. Both started in the last 10 years. And uh, so they're uh, kind of a, a new uh, generation of craft brewers. They're doing fun, exciting things. And so certainly this oak and barrel age uh, stuff is a part of it. Um, so uh, first, I'll, men- I'll uh, introduce Scott Vaccaro from uh, Captain Lawrence uh, Brewing Company. Uh, Scott has uh, the unusual distinction of having decided that he wanted to be a brewer before he went to college. He was 17 years old when he made his first homebrew, and uh, not long after decided that was his passion and calling in life, and he actually went to college at UC Davis, which is like the big brewing university in the United States, and uh, subsequently went on to uh, found the Captain Lawrence Brewery. So let's welcome Scott Vaccaro. And uh, then from the brewery, Patrick Rue. Uh, Patrick uh, got a little further down the road before he decided he wanted to brew beer. He was actually in law school, so he'd, he'd wasted a good five years of advanced education um, and uh, before he made his first home brew. And I guess it took a little while after that to decide, hey, maybe I want to brew beer for a living instead of practicing law, which I think is a great call, personally, uh, since I get to enjoy his beers in Chicago. Uh, and it was not long after that that he finished law school, decided that was his mission in life, uh, and uh, sat down to uh, put together the, uh, the business plan, uh, started uh, the brewery in 2008, and uh, now here we are. Uh, great beers from, from the brewery. Um, so let's uh, also um, uh, welcome Patrick Group. Come on up, guys. Let's do our thing. Hello. How's everybody doing? Is this on? All right. So uh, well, thanks all for coming out. Uh, my name's Scott. Like Ray said, thanks for the introduction, Ray. Um, Glad to be here. Uh, we've brought some interesting beers, um, some of which we started making uh, versions of in 2006 when we opened up and have kind of evolved over the past five and a half years. Um, and they're just uh, basically, like the name says, it's going to be a study in barrel aging. So um, before we talk any more about the beers, I'll let Patrick say something about himself if you'd like to. And thank you for doing this with us, Patrick. I appreciate you coming by. Yeah, thanks for the invite, Scott. Uh, so yeah, we do a lot of beers and barrels, and recently we announced we're going to do a lot more beers and barrels. So uh, you'll be able to find uh, find our beers hopefully next year uh, on the shelf. Uh, some of the, maybe even some of these beers. Um, but right now, uh, barrel aged beers make up about ten percent of our production, and we pretty much just released them from our uh, tasting room. So all these beers have never been on a, a retail shelf before. Um, we have a great local community and a group of uh, Reserve Society members who, uh, who take up that, uh, that part of the production. Anybody here a Reserve Society member, by any chance? No? Wow. That's good. Cool. Well, you know, sign up, sir. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so the first beer that's being poured is uh, Sour in the Rye. Um, so basically it's a, a big rye beer. Uh, it's a little bit over 8% alcohol, 40% rye malt. Um, so we, we make another beer called Saison Rue that has 30% rye malt, and 
often brewers question that amount of rye. So it's a lot. Um, so for Saison Rue, we don't really have any issues in the rye. Rye is very, uh, there's a lot of protein in it. It gets very sticky. Uh, it'll clog mashes, so it'll make it, you know, uh, make it take a very long time to, to, to make a beer. Um, so with this beer, we actually have to mash, uh, do a sour mash overnight to let the proteins degrade enough to where we can actually run off that wort. That stuff looks like glue. Uh, luckily, it doesn't, doesn't look like glue anymore. <laughs> And uh, aged in barrels for, I believe this one aged for about 15 months in wine barrels. Uh, the more recent versions that we're making of it are in uh, second use or third use bourbon barrels. Uh, oh, thank you. Thanks. So, excuse me. Time for me to drink. <laughs> anyway, we released this uh, early this year. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. Using uh, the wine barrels that you're using, are they fairly old, four or five-year-old wine barrels, or do you get them fairly Yeah, we use uh, super old barrels. They're called neutrals. Um, they are great because you can age beer in a long time, for a very long time without picking up too much oak flavor. allows that the wild yeast and the bacteria to really go to town without having a huge oak bomb. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, with wine, with wine, you know, you, wine can take a lot of oak before it becomes really noticeable. So you have the tannins kind of balancing it. Um, but with beer, it kind of absorbs that oak very quickly. And so this was inoculated with lactobacillus or with some wild lactic acid bacteria as well as wild yeast, uh, Britannomyces. And yeah, some Pediococcus. Mm -hmm. Probably got a little bit of a Acetobacter at the time. So of all the uh, beers we're going to try tonight, um, this is going to be the most aggressive uh, on sourness and probably the lowest pH, I'm going to assume, right? This is low, low threes? Yeah. Somewhere in that range? Yeah. So um, we're going to go from this and then... We're going to kind of go in another direction, which is uh, our smoke porters, which don't actually have any wild yeast or lactic acid bacteria. And then we're going to kind of go back in the other direction, right? The, um, is it the bourbon barrel? Yeah, the ones toward the end are just kind of massive oak Big. bourbon bombs. So we start with the sour, and then we're going to kind of move in another direction. Anybody have any questions about this beer? Now's the time to ask. Is this anybody's first sour beer? Any chance? Speak into the microphone. <laughs> um, you said you get a sticky mash. Do you use, like, rice hulls or anything like that? Uh, for this first one, we actually tried to stir it in after the fact. And by that point, it's really too late. Uh, so now we do. But <laughs> at the time, we didn't actually intend to do a sour mash. It just was the only way to do it. Or we could dump the whole, uh, dump the whole mash, which is expensive and kind of messy. <laughs> is this anyone's first sour beer? You guys are old pros. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> Whose favorite style is a, a type of sour beer? Anybody? There we go. Nice. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so the, uh, the overnight uh, sour mash, too, was kind of just out of necessity, kind of a reaction to a, a sticky mash, or was it planned all along? No, yeah, just uh, Tyler was, uh, our head brewer, Tyler, uh, was ready to dump the batch. I'm like, nah, like, as a owner, <laughs> anything that's going to cost you money, like, no, don't do it. So it was going to be a sour beer anyway, so, you know. Why not miss soured up in the mash, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, it's not going to run off tomorrow. You know, you're just going to be stuck with a, a bowl full of a mush tomorrow you're not going to be able to do anything with. I'm like, well, just try it. You're not really losing anything. So right it worked. <laughs> Can you explain, like, what, a sour mash, overnight sour mash is as opposed to like a regular mash? 
Sure. Um, so regular mash, uh, basically you're pouring the grains in, you're mixing it with hot water, and uh, you'll let it rest for maybe an hour, recirculate, draw off that, that nice sweet uh, wort. And then um, with the sour mash or overnight mash, you'll... Um, you won't strain it off. You'll just you'll mash it in. You'll get it all in there, kind of mix it in, and you'll leave it. Um, we've done two types of sour mashes: some uh, anaerobic uh, and some non-anaerobic by uh, putting in nitrogen into the um, into the mash tun. Uh, by doing that, then you're you're only allowing uh, non-anaerobic bacteria to to develop, like uh, Lactobacillus. But with uh, with the oxygen, there's a whole lot of bacteria that you know. The ones that makes you know, farty smells and <laughs> really, I mean, it, it, if you let uh, if you let those uh, those aerobic bacteria go crazy, you end up with a mash that smells like a toilet. <laughs> That's appetizing. <laughs> Drink up, everybody. <laughs> Got another question over here. Got a question about the length of of aging. Uh, where does fifteen months stand in the spectrum of um, barrel aging? terms of length of time um well i don't know i mean for for us it's sort of an average amount of time for a sour beer uh let's say like lambics like a goose it'll be a blend of a one two and three year old beer um so i'd say it's somewhere sort of in the middle for for sour beers you know traditionally i know a lot of breweries would can do a sour beer in eight months um we yeah we have some beers that develop a little bit faster than others this one being higher in alcohol takes a little bit while, or a little bit longer for the sourness to develop, so it has to compete against the, the alcohol. All right, so the beer that's coming out right now, um, this this series of beer that we do called Smoke from the Oak, uh, is kind of a um, was something that I kind of thought up when we first uh, opened up, when we first started aging beer in barrels, and it took about five years to actually come to fruition, as to you know, in in the way it was originally conceived. Uh, and the whole point was to take one beer, brewed, you know, one batch of beer, and split it up between different types of oak barrels to see what those different oak finishes would actually do to the same beer. So it all it came out of the same kettle, same fermenter, and then went into three sets of barrels. So we had the uh, apple brandy barrels, the wine barrels, and the rum barrels. So the first one we're going to be trying is the apple brandy barrel. Now, uh, apple brandy barrels are... Um, first bourbon barrels before the uh, apple brandy distiller gets them so they get used once for bourbon then they go to the apple brandy distiller who um it's actually the barrels we get are from laird's and laird's is the oldest distillery in america they have distillers license number one um and when you're actually sitting in their their lobby in new jersey um you know there's like a little thing telling about the story of how george washington like wrote a letter to larry laird asking for his his uh recipe for apple brandy but um so this beer kind of came about though I was at the local liquor store picking up a bottle of bourbon, because that's what I drink when I'm not drinking beer, and uh, I saw Laird's apple, 12-year-old apple brandy behind the counter, and I said, all right, you know, that looks interesting, and I'll give it a try, and uh, when I actually did some research into the, to the brand, I realized that their warehouse is only an hour away from the brewery in New Jersey, and so after repeated phone calls and harassment, um, I finally got the right guy on the phone, and they agreed to sell me some barrels, and so uh, I drove down there, picked them up, and we began playing around with them. So... The beer starts out as a uh, six and a half, I'm sorry, as a nine percent, nine and a half percent imperial smoked porter um, using about 25 percent smoked malt from uh, best uh, malteries in Germany. And so it's got this kind of bacony, mesquite, uh, smoky wood flavor to it. And then 
aged in the apple brandy barrel for, they all were, all three beers in the series were aged for, I believe it was eight months um, in an untemperature controlled warehouse um, in New York, which gets hot in the summer. Um, and um, the flavors that it kind of picks up from the wood, you know, there's some, of all of them, this one is actually the most mellow. Um, not a ton of apple, but definitely some mesquite and definitely some, uh, some roasty notes. So what sort of flavors do you get from the, the apple brandy barrels? Are they, well, sorry, let me step back. Where do they get the brandy barrels from? They, they get the barrels uh, actually from, dis- from bourbon distillers. Um, I don't know which ones. They have the names uh, painted off or scraped off, but um, right. they've given me barrels that had been filled um, in the 80s with apple brandy and so they'd been used more than once even just for apple brandy and some of them that only had four-year-old apple brandy in them and so were fairly fresh and so um, depending on the age of the barrel you definitely get uh, different levels of uh, flavor um, outside of the salon I'm assuming most of you are going to be downstairs later uh, we actually have another beer um, Golden Delicious which is a, an American triple aged in the same apple brandy barrels the same brand so if you want to see what it does in another type of beer, that's kind of a, a cool thing. Because this is, I think, the most mellow, or the most, uh, the smoke porter kind of beats it out a little bit in this one. So there you have smoke from the oak apple brandy. Any questions about this beer? Yeah. What type of wood is used to smoke the malt prior to? Uh, beechwood. It is beechwood. It is beechwood. That's, that's, what I'm, that's what the maltster tells me. I don't know if I believe them, but. For those of us who who come by the table later, could you tell them the difference between the imperial smoke porter and the regular smoke porter that we're That's serving here? Yeah, we do have our smoke porter downstairs as well as the Golden Delicious, and uh, this one is nine and a half, ten percent, twenty five percent smoke malt, whereas the one downstairs is only about six and a half percent alcohol and only about twenty percent smoke malt. So it won't be quite as intense, and obviously not aged in oak. questions on this one? All right, I guess we'll, uh, how are we doing for time? We have to, are we going good or I can keep talking and talking? 6.35, so we're about uh, 20 minutes in. All right, so we're good. Perfect. So I guess we can go on to number two. Yeah, we just started brewing a, a smoke porter that we put into some, some barrels just to rip I, you off, basically. I think it's a, <laughs> I think it's a great style of <laughs> beer to age in oak. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's definitely just, you get from the smoke flavors. So the golden, deli- or the, I'm sorry, the apple brandy barrels obviously were tracked down um, about an hour from the brewery. Now, the distillery actually distills everything in Virginia now and then trucks the barrels full of brandy up to New Jersey to age and then be bottled, which is kind of odd. Um, the rum barrels, these took me months to track down, actually. Email upon email to uh, distilleries and, uh, you know, marketing companies finally finding the right person. And the barrels are actually um, shipped up from the Virgin Islands to Florida um, after being distilled. They're aged in Florida, and then they're obviously emptied out, and we, we get them shipped up to us. Um, this is the one that kind of really threw me for a loop when I first, uh, when I first smelled it out of the barrel. And to me, I mean, I got a lot of grapiness to it almost, um, which is, I thought was odd from, from a rum barrel. But the rum, uh, the barrels themselves are aged, I believe it's 160 or 70 proof rum. It's, it's pretty potent stuff. 
So we actually, um, you know, we dump out whatever's left in them when we get them up and uh, fill them right up. Um, and so this one, I think, is a little, it's a little more grapey, a little more fruity um, than the apple brandy, which to, to me, the apple brandy is just a little more vanilla and wood. Almost a little sweeter and definitely a little, um, almost a little more intense alcohol-wise as well. Um, I think the, you know, the apple brandy barrel, like I said, is probably the most mellow, probably because the barrels were also a little bit drier when we get them. So it's actually hit or miss. Sometimes we'll get barrels that'll have, you know, like a half a gallon of, uh, of liquor in them, which is great. Um, and sometimes you get them and they'll be pretty dry and you actually have to swell them up with hot water uh, prior to being filled. And so we try, in most cases, to actually get the barrels and fill them up without doing anything to them, um, other than maybe dumping them out if there's excessive amounts of booze in them. Um, and so the apple brandy barrels we got actually had to be swelled, and so they were a little drier, and I think that's why they're a little mellower. The rum barrels were actually quite wet, and um, I think that's why you get a little more booze in this one, a little more heat, and definitely a little more of that, you know, that grapey, rummy character. So, What do you guys do with the rum? Uh, you guys just don't dump it out, do you? No, 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 no. I drink it. <laughs> you definitely got to cut it with water, but I mean, it is, it's some potent stuff. But um, yeah, it comes out nice and rich and, and, and oaky, that's for sure. Yeah. So we had uh, the first time we did this beer, um, the barrels we got actually had 13-year-old uh, rum in them. They actually had the you know, beautiful white painted face on the barrel with you know the stenciling on it and Virgin Islands and all that. Um, and then the second time, I actually requested younger barrels because the barrels they sent me were actually like falling apart. That's, I mean, because they were bourbon barrels before they were rum barrels, and then I don't know how many times they were used for rum, and they were literally like just there were nails in them, plugging holes and whatnot. So. We, uh, the, the, the younger rum barrels, I think, are just give a little more heat. So, uh, any questions about this beer? Yes. When you're done uh, barrel aging the beer, do you reuse the barrels, or do you send them somewhere else, or we, what do you? That's a good question. We um, we reuse our wine barrels almost indefinitely, um, unless they get something in them a flavor we don't like. Um, mainly because we're using the, most of our wine barrels for aging sour beers, so we're putting lactobacillus and Britannomyces in there, so we want the barrels to actually house those, those bugs, which will make the beer sour. Um, the bourbon, the rum, the apple brandy, uh, we typically use once, um, only because we're not making any sour beers in them, and once we've soaked the, uh, the flavor, the spirit out of the wood, you know, it's not really going to give us what we're looking for. So we... Um, we make tables out of them for our tasting room, and uh, we give them away to people and cut them in half and make planters. And So, yeah, we, we go through quite a few. Um, but, yeah, we, we get rid of them somehow. People are always looking for barrels. Yeah. Uh, we call this series Smoke from the Oak. So Smoke from the Oak, uh, this is the Imperial Smoke Porter aged in rum, rum barrels. It's kind of funny when we, the first version of this we did, um, I actually wanted to put on the label 13-year-old Virgin Island rum barrels and the TTB the, the labeling people said I couldn't do it and I said but that's you know that's where they it was a 13 they said you have to prove it so I had to snap a picture of the front of the barrel and send it up to them that kind of work they, yeah it worked it actually worked so I think the guy reviewing my labels is a real pain in the butt yeah so when you're formulating the recipes for these um, often with oak and wood i get a lot of vanilla i get a lot of sweetness especially with the rum yeah do you do anything special in formulating your recipes to kind of compensate for the sweetness or work with it a little bit well to be honest with you i mean this is the first time that we've ever actually done the series all at once we've done bits and pieces here and there and so we have played around with those single batches like that but this one being 
you know, it is, it was just one batch and it was split between the barrels. Maybe next time around we'll brew individual batches for the individual barrels based on, you know, what we get this time around. But no, I mean, there wasn't really much consideration given other than we knew we wanted to brew a big, you know, thick imperial smoke porter and just let the wood do what it will. How often do you guys brew this beer? Uh, I guess once a year. So we'll probably be brewing it again uh, next month. Um, and so, yeah, we, we did, we, did um, we released this in a three-pack with a tasting glass. Um, our beer is only sold, really, in the New York metro area. Um, so we did about, what was it? We had about 1,000 three-packs is all we made of this. Um, and so next year we're going to hopefully do twice as much of that. So it's sold out pretty quick. This beer seems a little bit thicker than the previous one. Uh, is there a reason for that? Is it the same base beer? It is the exact same base beer out of the same tank. So um, there's, a po- there's always the possibility that in the barrel um, there may be some, you know, microbio- you know, microactivity going on, or maybe the apple brandy barrels had something in them that allowed it to dry out a little bit more. Um, but no, it's the same one. And, it, you know, it could be some of the flavors of the rum just kind of it is bizarre to me how much sweetness you get from the rum and, and you know the grapey flavors. So I'm not familiar with the commercial barrel aging process, but uh, after the time that the beer spends aging in barrel, um, do you guys combine them all so that the bottles are uniform in flavor and consistency, or do you uh, are, are the bottles different based on the barrel they were in? No, so we um, eat. That's a good question. Each of these beers in the series, there were four oak barrels filled with each. And so we blend those four elk barrels together and then bottle all at once. So the variations between those four barrels, though, is, was almost undetectable. It was, if there is a barrel that we don't like, we'll dump it and we won't blend it in. Other questions? No. I was curious, um, given that you're aging this in rum barrels or you know, using some more unusual sorts of barrels, um, as opposed to, say, bourbon barrels or things that are more available, um, Wondering if you could just speak a bit about where you see barrel aging going in general within the industry, and if you think these sorts of niche products, whether using rum barrels or more unusual wine barrels or those sorts of things, are are catching on. I mean, I, I hope it continues to evolve and that people continue to use you know wackier and wackier barrels. I mean, just you know whatever we can get our hands on. I we actually had uh, some port barrels imported from Portugal that you know cost a fortune and but they were you know it's fun to play with we're trying to get some tequila barrels which i mean i think it's just another way to add flavor and add a layer and depth to a beer and so i don't see why there's any reason to stop doing it um and i can only see people you know see it growing and growing i mean the more you know and as the micro distillers uh, continue to pop up in this country too that'll probably offer craft brewers another outlet and another source for barrels to pick up and i think that's that's something exciting as well um so yeah um I'm excited about the potential of other types of wood, except for, you know, besides oak. Um, I think once the craft brewing industry gets a little bit more powerful, a little bit larger, uh, you know, we can start seeing more cedar barrels and, um, you know, who knows, you know, every type of, type of oak out there, or every type of, uh, you know, sure. sort of wood out there. A lot of them can be, you know, pretty tasty when... Oh, yeah. Um, we're doing a collaboration with Cigar City, and uh, they're adding some uh, grapefruit um, wood. Yeah, oh, to wow. the beer. It's pretty interesting. Absolutely. But they're doing it as cubes, and um, obviously not barrels. That's definitely that sounds exciting. Yeah, I mean, the the more different types of barrels out there to be used, you know, the more beer we can make. Interesting new beers. Yeah. 
So this one, uh, this is the uh, original uh, beer that kind of spurred the series on for me. Um, about two months after we opened up, we, uh, well, let me back up a little bit. We opened the brewery in New York, right, about 35 miles north of Manhattan. Um, and we just so happened to end up on a street that has a winery on it, which is bizarre considering where we are. Um, they actually import all the grapes from California, from Italy, but they crush it, everything there. They ferment it. They age it in their oak barrels. And so we basically have a, a, an endless supply of oak bar- wine barrels right next door, um, which is, you know, I'm, we're very fortunate. So uh, two months after we opened up, we put our first batch of smoked porter in some wine barrels, and that kind of spurred on the series. And so um, this, this, again, is the same beer, same base beer um, in uh, these were, I believe they were Merlot barrels. Um, they were, the barrels were literally emptied and filled within two or three days, so that's another beautiful thing about having the winery right next door. Um, and to me, of all the beers, this is the one that really takes on the flavor of, you know, the spirit that was in the barrel before. I mean, this beer turned, you know, it's got a winey character. It's got a red wine and, a, you know, an oaky vanilla character that is just, you know, without a doubt. And, and this one, this beer has kind of remained uh, the same in character, all the different batches we've done of it. Before... Uh, before this series with the Imperial Smoke Porter using it in the barrels, we just would put our regular smoke porter in the uh, wine barrels. We'd actually add Britannomyces. And we had mixed results. Um, the fla- I always loved the flavors. We had some, uh, some bottles that were highly carbonated. Um, but um, the flavors were always spot on. So this one, there was no Brett added. This is all just straight up. So which one's your favorite? Or play all your children. You yeah, can't you know, I one. can't choose, but... Um, if I- if I had to drink one, only one, I'd probably drink this one. I mean, this is, you know, the first one, and this is the one that really, you know, kind of moved my passion along for oak aging. So this was definitely a fun one. Um, you know, back to the, the question about the different barrels and all that, I just got a quick story about our port barrels. We actually, um, so it I took me a while. I tracked down some guy. He said he'd sell me some 160-gallon um, port barrels and um, set up shipping and all that stuff. I got them shipped into the port of Newark. In, uh, in Jersey, and um, they got stuck in a USDA hold and some other hold, and they were like, in, they were in customs for like a month and a half, and they finally said, "All right, you have to come down and sign them out personally." So I, you know, I went to Jersey and I presented my driver's license and all that. And the guy behind the counter, he he said, "I had two questions." He said, "Have you ever been in a uh, in a private plane, and have you ever lived in Florida?" And I said, "No, no." And he said, "All right, you're approved, and let me go." So I, <laughs> I thought it was the most bizarre questions ever, but you know. I said, <laughs> And so we got our port barrels out. They actually had quite a bit of port left in them, which was nice. So got to drink some of that stuff. The barrels are ancient. They're pretty cool. Um, so just a funny, funny oak barrel story. Awesome. So any questions about this beer? Um, definitely a lot of whiny character. No? All right. Is anybody in the room homebrew? All right. Any of those homebrewers used oak? In their, in their beer. Sweet. All right. Cool. Cubes are nice. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, you know, when I was homebrewing, it was definitely uh, something I always tried to do was, was play around with the wood. And finally, when I you know, had a brewery that was large enough that we actually made enough beer to fill a barrel, it kind of, I went, kind of went crazy. Uh, we probably have close to 100 barrels right now filled, you know, in our brewery. And from day one, we just kept filling and filling. So definitely fun so keep brewing at home yeah all right well if you guys are ready let's bring out the next beer 
Uh, so the next beer coming out is uh, our most recent anniversary beer uh, called Cure. It's uh, This one's 100%, um, 100% barrel age, where if you have found uh, the other version on the shelf, that one's 25% aged in bourbon barrel, 75%, a fresh batch that we... Uh, we ferment with uh, oak cubes. Um, so this one's a bit more, a bit more intense. Has a bigger body, a bit more alcohol because there's some pickup uh, from uh, what's left inside of the barrels. We age this uh, for a little over a year. It's a, it's a blend of batches, so some some batches might be 14 months old, some might be 10 months old, but typically don't want anything younger than uh, 10 months old. Um, so this is to celebrate our, our third anniversary of business and. Uh, uh, next year, uh, we're actually, this is going to be 100% uh, barrel-aged. Uh, we won't make the uh, the one that uh, is 75% of fresh batch, 25% barrel-aged. I, I like this beer a whole lot. Um, so, hope you do too. But, uh, one special thing about this beer is we utilize the Solera method, which early on in a brewery's life doesn't mean very much. Um, but uh, so essentially, we take every batch of anniversary beer that we've ever made. This beer is the same beer from year to year, uh, and we'll blend the previous years back into it. So this beer contains uh, our first anniversary beer, which is called Papier, and our second anniversary beer called uh, Catone. Uh, so I'm really excited for like you know 20 years from now when there's 20 different beers uh, or 20 years of this beer kind of blended together. Uh, just you know, every year as we get older and we learn what the hell we're doing, the beer also is kind of, kind of an old crotchety man as well, and <laughs> it's a uh, kind of bringing the life of the brewery and the, the life of the beer together, if, uh, if that makes sense. Um, question over here. How much of the uh, previous year's beer do you use? Like, how much do you blend in? Like, uh, well, we try to save ten percent of the production. Uh, towards the future years. So we have a spreadsheet of how much we can use. Yeah, it's uh, so it's most or most of what we put in is that previous years and then it gets incrementally smaller as the years go on. Um, we do want to watch out for the beer spoiling. So every few years we kind of recalibrate it by uh, grabbing all of the all the old beers, blending it in with a new batch and putting that back into barrels. We don't want the barrels getting too old. Uh, sometimes they can dry out on the top and just trying to avoid infection. Do you top off any of your barrels? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Uh, can't say we do it very often. <laughs> it's kind of like every, like, six months. Oh, yeah, these things are probably use a little, use a little drink. So uh, we're, I think as we invest more in our barrels uh, in our, in what we do in barrels, that will become a, a big priority. Right. But right now it's a fairly small amount of our business. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, last year we had 200 barrels, and now we're up to 700, so it's just... Um, it's a lot growing. of oak. It's a lot of oak. <laughs> <laughs> Any other uh, questions about this beer or, you know, life in general? <laughs> <laughs> yes. What's, what's the uh, alcohol content on this one? Um, this one's 17. 17? It shows. Seven. It's very good. 17, yeah. Wow. 17. The, the, the record should note that he 17. nodded his head up and down when he was asked whether it was 17. Yes. Wow. Nice, round, like, malty, rich, beautiful character. Yeah, some of the sweetness, residual sugar kind of mm -hmm. helps hide, hide the booze. Yeah, no doubt. 
will wake me right up. All right. Any other questions? Yeah. <laughs> You're done. So this is 100% of the beer is aged in oak, you said? Yeah, this is 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, we try not to... So some of our barrels also have come with uh, preloaded with some bourbon on those. And our uh, the guy we get our barrels from, Tom Griffin, he's a pretty, he's a pretty funny, crazy guy. He... Uh, yeah, he He'll drive, you know, the guy lives in Wisconsin, and he'll he'll make cross-country trips, like, every month or every other month. You'll come, and you'll show up all dirty, you know, sweaty after unloading barrels over at Lost Abbey or Stone or something. And he'll come to me, do you have a shower? Can I use your shower? It's <laughs> <laughs> the first question he asks. It's like he, he doesn't remember I don't have a shower. Um, we should build one for him. <laughs> he'll, like, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a funny guy. Yeah. He drives, what is he, he sticks them in like a goat trailer, right? Or like a horse trailer. That's what he travels with the barrels in. It's, yeah. his, it's his transport vehicle. His pickup runs on biodiesel. He's, uh, he, he's a character. <laughs> All right, do we have any more questions for our speakers on this spear or anything else related to this topic? Are any of you guys pre-drinking today? We have a question. No, 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 no one's no one's <laughs> been to the church key today. Yeah. Hi, I'd like to know about the licorice flavor in this beer. Can you tell us why? Uh, that's a good question. Um, guessing the darker malts uh, can, can sometimes contribute a, a licorice sort of character. Um, you know, bourbon very rarely has a licorice character. Yeah, I don't, I don't ever remember getting that out of. But yeah, you're right. The darker malts can definitely throw some of that. Yeah. Some of, maybe the darker wood too can kind of give you some of that. Um, so, not a great answer, but yeah, that's what I have. <laughs> Ray Cicerone, do you know why? <laughs> I'm not here. It's it's not on the it's not on the master exam. I mean, you know, li- licorice is certainly certainly a common flavor in in dark dark and stronger beers. And uh, I don't know chemically that anybody's identified what that component is, um, but it is certainly something that, that, that is a common product of, you know, dark, dark malts, strong, strong beers. And, and the, the k- components in there tend to combine and give you that impression of licorice right. fairly commonly. Better be a nice question. Hi. Um, can you tell us about some of the other barrel-aged beers that you make throughout the year? Well, thank you. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> um, we do, let's see, we do a few other uh, sour, sour barrel-aged beers. Um, Cuvée de Castleton and the Rosalie Marone are both uh, aged in wine barrels with grapes, uh, Muscat grapes or Merlot and Zinfandel grapes. And the Golden Delicious, which we have downstairs, aged in the apple brandy barrels. And then right now we actually have a number of uh, sour brown ales uh, that we're going to eventually blend um, with various types of fruit in them. So we're playing around with uh, strawberries, huckleberries, currants, peaches, raspberries, cherries. And that's it right now. Thank you. 
How about you? Uh, yeah. Um, With 700 barrels, there's got to be a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. So we have a, uh, a blonde sour beer that we uh, brew in kind of the style of a lambic. Uh, haven't really used it much as a single beer. Uh, we're aging enough so we can blend a one, two, and three-year-old to kind of come up with an American goose. Um, let's see. We have uh, a lot of barrels of Flemish red, uh, so Ode Tarts, kind mm-hmm. of the, that beer. Um, but we, you know, we probably have five different t- types of sour beers aging, and we'll we'll blend them in different proportions or use different use different fruits to kind of come up with uh, come up with yeah exactly. Um, and then as far as our bourbon barrel aged beers, you know, Black Tuesday our stout. Um, we have a wheat wine called White Oak Sap that we've never released on its own, but we usually use that as a blending beer. Uh, our anniversary, which is. Uh, a beer on its own. We don't we don't do much blending except for other batches of uh, anniversary. It's pretty much it. You know, we'll, we have a few that are you know fun small batches. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's the beauty of it, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think we're ready for the next. Who's thirsty again? Um, All right. Bring out the big guns. Yeah. <laughs> so this next one is called uh, Black Tuesday. Actually. I'm wearing a Black Tuesday shirt. I won't undress for you. Might creep you out. <laughs> oh, thank you. Just let people chat for a moment. Look, look, something unique and different. It's like. So I'll talk about Black Tuesday for a minute, if you guys don't mind. Um, so Black Tuesday is our, our imperial, imperial stout. We aged this one for about 14 months in the same bourbon barrels that we use for our anniversary. Um, this one, the alcohol changes from year to year. We have, you know, really can't control the alcohol levels on the beer so much that we um, typically range from 16% all the way up to about 22%. Uh, some batches will do better because our, our yeast is a lot healthier. So we have kind of a fun, or not a fun, but interesting way of fermenting the beer to ensure that it uh, gets to that alcohol level before we put it in the barrels. Do a lot of recirculation of the yeast uh, during fermentation, and we will pump oxygen, a small amount of oxygen for the first few days of fermentation, um, keep the yeast nice and healthy, and then we'll feed it sugar. So we're not shocking the yeast with a bunch of sugar all at once. We, um, we'll kind of We'll dose it in every day. Um, so once once the yeast, and we check yeast viability, so once the yeast starts crapping out on us, we stop feeding it, because otherwise we'll be left with pancake syrup. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's one of those beers that kind of has a lot of, uh, lot of hype out there. We... Um, we released it, uh, well, we started pre-selling allocations of it in 2009, and we did that because I needed money. Um, so I rocked off a keg and put it on tap and said, you know, we're selling this beer. If you, if you buy it now, you won't get it until October, but if you buy it now, um, it'll be 25 bucks a bottle. It'll be 30 bucks a bottle when we, when we finally go ahead and sell it. Um, so it, uh, you know, people, we, you know, we sold some, uh, People uh, 
kept telling their friends how great it was, and it just kind of built up into this frenzy. On the day that we released it, it had 700 people outside. We had no <laughs> idea what we were doing. I think <laughs> Steph and Rachel were working that day. And, uh, yeah, we all lost a few years of our life doing that. One, one cash register, people were telling us what assholes we were, you know. You're not prepared for 700 people? Jeez. Because yeah. we're amateurs. So We are. That's, That's good. <laughs> anyway. All right. I can sympathize I, with you. I think we already have a question. No, no, no. never mind. <laughs> we had a question over here, right? We do have a question. It's just on the other side of the room from where I am. So, so wait until I walk all the way over here. Um, you just spoke uh, to the hype of some of these beers and the releases that surround them. Um, and as these uh, small batch, limited release beers start to go on, we've seen a lot of um, you know, hype and eBay sort of things going on. I'm just wondering if you'd like to speak to that and sort of give your opinion on that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, eBay is kind of a, it's really cool in that it kind of sets a value for your beer way above what you would ever sell it for. Uh, so it's kind of bragging value, but I really hate it because someone is making a ton of money off of beer that I think is, you know, I think this is, this is worth $30. I don't think it's worth $300. And so when someone buys it for $300, they expect a, a beer that tastes like $300. And, uh, I would suggest you buy 10 bottles of this, uh, or, you know, you could buy a lot of grape beer for 300 bucks. I wouldn't buy one puddle for that price. We've had people show up, you know, kind of mules. You know, people, like, bring, like, some random person from the train station down the street and say, I'll give you 30 bucks if you go buy, you know, six, the six-bottle allotment, and then, you know, I'll buy them off you or whatever. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, most times, you know, when there is a large crowd for those special releases, they'll, they'll single those people out and start screaming at them, <laughs> which is funny. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's some crazy stuff that goes on. Can you talk about the difference in the uh, experience brewing the first batch of Black Tuesday versus this batch? Was it uh, easier? Yeah. So the first batch of Black Tuesday was, um, I know we always wanted to brew a big Imperial Stout. We, uh, it's probably a few months after we opened. Um, I had all this, I'd been home brewing a bunch. I bought a pallet of mixed malt um, so I could try every every different type of malt out there that was available to us. Um, so it became our kitchen sink beers. <laughs> Threw in, I don't know, I want to say it was up to 20, 20 different uh, specialty malts, a lot of different caramel malts, uh, different um, roasted malts, organic Pilsner malt. Uh, Everything and, you get your hands on? <laughs> yeah, probably some wheat, some rye, whatever. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, Imperial Stats are so big, you're not going to notice the, the grain character so much. It's going to be kind of a, a mishmash of flavors. Um, so that's what we did for the first batch, and we we did I think two batches that for that first year's release. So that second uh, batch that we did, we kind of we didn't want to go out and buy twenty different sacks of uh, or different you know specialty malts. So, uh, so we, I think we narrowed it down to five or six um, malts that I think represented the flavors we were going for. Um, oh, the first batch is horrible uh, though. It's, it's <laughs> It's the most grain that we used in any single beer. Um, and we, the first batch was, or the, so we pulled off the first runnings of it, boiled it, great, and bought two, it was in the fermenter. Then we were going to brew a second runnings from it, so we still had this, had this wort that would have made a 5% beer. Um, so being the cheap-ass owner that I am, want to get a second beer out of this. Uh, so during that, we had a stuck mash. Uh, we had the water level going all the way up to the very top, and 
uh, nothing was moving this, so we decided to dump it. Um, uh, mash paddle got stuck in the valve. We couldn't, I didn't know that. I couldn't close the valve. It's going everywhere. It's, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to draw, yeah, give you too long of a story, but <laughs> it's not a good day. <laughs> yeah, I, I, did probably, I didn't brew this one. So we have four brewers who are uh, sort of uh, doing the day-to-day -day brewing. Um, yeah, they have, they have it down. Is there anything particularly symbolic about the name of Black Tuesday? Say that again. Sorry. Anything particularly symbolic about the name? Oh yeah. Um, so we posted about this horrible day on our on our blog. It was a Tuesday. Uh, someone suggested we call it Black Tuesday. I don't know who they are, but they're geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else? How are we doing on the question front? Anybody else got a deep and abiding question they would like to ask? I was at the brewery last year, your brewery, and I saw the ball and chain wedding ale. Can you tell me about that one? Uh, when I married this beautiful woman right here, I, we made a beer just uh, for the day to give our gifts, uh, give our guests as gifts. So it was like uh, a sour sour beer at all. Or it what? was, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely bitter. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was uh, a 10% triple aged in a uh, uh, red wine barrel with rose hips and elderflowers. So it made uh, enough bottles, you know, wax dipped and all that good stuff. So I'm guessing it was like a really fun wedding reception then. Yeah, we went through a lot of beer. There was, yeah. They were getting popped on the bus ride back to the hotel. People were getting sprayed with warm beer. It was fun. <laughs> what else we got? I'm all talked out. I can't even think anymore. I think it's the beer. There's a lot of good beer down there to try, so definitely uh, have fun. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's even officially open downstairs oh, yet. never mind. So. You have to stay in this room until they blow the horn. <laughs> well, not, not only that, but we, we, have, we have accomplished the primary objective in this room, which is not finishing after they finish. Ah, excellent. Because <laughs> if they finish first, then they all come busting out <laughs> and streaming through here, and then it's kind of crazy. Um, I have a question. All right. What's uh? So the first person who raises their hand. Okay. Uh, what are you guys looking forward to trying tonight? Anything that you're? Oh, there we go. Nice and close. Uh, stuff from Cigar City. Yeah. Because we can't get it's that here. Brewery. I had the um, at Churchkey. I had the the collaboration you guys did with them. The red. It was awesome. It was really nice. good. Yeah. It was really really good. All right. Well, if, there's, if there are no other questions, uh, I guess we will uh, be free to drink up our, our samples. Hey, I want to tell you, be real careful about where you put your glass down. We have a very efficient uh, busing staff. If you put it down and it's gone, uh, it could be the end of it. So uh, keep that glass in your hand uh, and enjoy your evening. Enjoy, enjoy Salon, and thanks for coming. Thank you guys so much. Thank, thank, thank these gentlemen for their great beers. This podcast was produced by the Brewers Association and presented by Craft Beer Radio. To find more information on Savor or further podcasts, visit craftbeerradio.com slash savor or craftbeer.com. This content is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information.